Good morning. Oh, thank you. Sorry. <sighs> okay. I'm good. Any day like this? Yeah, I'll look for the rush. No, I'll be fine. Have a good day. Alright. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Okay. All right. So, uh, that was my wife's debut on Driving Theology. It's Tomoko. I am losing, forgetting everything this morning. I tried to leave 20 minutes early because my car has recently had a radiator uh, repair, temporary repair, and I just don't know how well it's going to hold. So I wanted to get a little bit of a head start, but instead I'm probably two minutes late because I misplaced my keys this morning. <laughs> Could not find my keys anywhere. Uh, yeah, one of those mornings. What are you going to do? So I spent 20 minutes looking for the keys, finally found them, and then I was still going to be able to leave right on time, and then I realized I didn't have my SD card for the recording for this uh, podcast this morning. I really wanted to do that, so... Uh, yeah, it's one of those weird things. Um, so, yeah, I... To risk being a couple minutes late, I went and grabbed that card so I could talk to you fine folks. Uh, the... Sacrifices we make for a little audience time. <laughs> so, I have my car back. It has uh, fresh oil, fresh coolant, uh, some fresh radiator leak stopper. I didn't replace the radiator because uh, things are a little tight right now because of COVID. Uh, so anyway, this is going to be my first uh, over 15 minute drive in it. Make sure it holds. It seemed to have been holding yesterday, but I took it pretty easy. Um, <clears throat> what I found out that I guess I never realized is when you when you give the engine gas, it pumps the coolant through faster, which makes any leaks you have uh, spew even more stuff out. It's not like a consistent pump, but it, it actually rides off the engine. So when you uh, accelerate the pump, your water pump also accelerates and pumps fuel faster, which of course makes sense. I had just never seen it, but when you have a big hole in your radiator and uh, when I first got it back, the, the the leak stop stuff had not quite taken hold yet, had not set in, and so uh, I I looked under the hood and I could see it was still leaking a little bit, and I I uh, gave it some gas, you know, by pulling the thing on the uh, fuel injector, whatever that thing is, and uh, yeah, whoa, big old snake in the road. Escaped. It's good. <clears throat> but yeah. Anyway, so the 
the more pressure you put on the engine, the more pressure you put on any leak you have in the coolant system for sure. Not to mention the exhaust system and everything else. It all works together, probably the oil as well. Anyway, yeah, found that out firsthand. Uh, I'm not sure I wanted to know that. Uh, but the good thing is, on this second day, or third day, the leak seemed to be holding. The radiator was not, was not spewing coolant. But I've got an extra five gallons of water with me, just in case I run into any problems. And I hope uh, that we'll be okay for this drive. Today I'm drinking some uh, coffee. Oh, this is uh, I think the same thing I drank last week, or I talked about it last week. I wasn't drinking it last week. This is Mandeling from Indonesia. Same batch, haven't gotten through it yet, <clears throat> although it's about a week old now, so. Yeah, uh, let me readjust my mic here. So what do you find folks doing? Uh, what's going on with us is my school has gone back to uh, having class, not uh, class on Zoom, but actually physical, physically in the classroom class. Uh, for my English school, although college is still Zoom lessons, so I've got four Zoom lessons a week, and then now on uh, Wednesdays, I'm back to the full schedule as I was last week. So that's changed, and then this week we add the kindergartens as well, so I've got one kinder kindergarten class tomorrow that I'll have to go do. <coughs> I'm going to cut a corner here. So sue me. Uh, yeah, so, that could have saved me a minute, maybe. So, yeah, life in, uh, life in, come on, put your signal on. Life in... It's not post-COVID-19. I guess it's life in the new world of COVID-19. Uh, is pretty interesting. Throwing some loops at us. Uh, it's made the distance between people uh, greater, obviously. For example, when I teach kids in an actual classroom, I wear a mask or wear a face shield or something and try to keep a good social distance from the kids. Uh, which is not my style at all. Uh, I I love the kids, and it's it's very difficult to, to teach that way. But that's that's where we are. That's where we are. Not much we can do about it. But my car temperature seems to be hanging hanging good, hanging normal. Got my air conditioner on too, which is going to challenge the cooling system. Um, it's pretty warm outside and I didn't know any other way to do it. I got it about as low as probably I can take it. Maybe. So, the other thing that we've been living in uh, has been the, the world of protests and 
protests are breaking out literally all over the world in support of Black Lives Matter and uh, more importantly in support of black lives. Um, I saw that there was in England a protest and the protesters actually tore down a statue uh, of a uh, 17th century slave trader who became rich and donated a lot of money to the city. Um, they tore down his statue and threw it into the ocean. Uh, <coughs> uh, I don't know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of how uh, idolatry was dealt with uh, by um, fanatical Hebrews. Uh, they did the same kinds of stuff. They tore down statues. They did violence. They they actually killed people. Um, killed people who were who were practicing idolatry. Things like this. Uh, I suppose hero worship is is a kind of and a form of idolatry for sure. Uh, I don't know that it was on the level of actual. Uh, you know, like God worship, but I can see it being close anyway, <coughs> similar in scope. Uh, yeah. So the other thing is that now we're a little past two weeks of when the protests started, and we're expecting to see. A second wave, especially in the in the places where there were protests of COVID-19, and I don't know that we're seeing that yet. In I haven't seen anything about that, but everybody's kind of uh, waiting on pins and needles to see uh, if indeed that's going to happen. If we need to prepare for a second wave, um, so yeah. Uh, Japanese television is is full of things about COVID-19 and ways of dealing with this and that and uh, products that are, you know, that they're trying to sell that are supposed to help, you know, things like air circulation and and probably different uh, sanitizers and things like this. Um pretty much the world has gone topsy-turvy uh in a lot of ways a lot of ways. Churches are now uh, starting to have their regular gatherings again, although they've they've changed the way they sit, I think, in a lot of ways. And Excuse me. Um, I guess I want to take it a little easier on my gas pedal. So, yeah. Things are things are different. Uh, people uh, are starting to feel uh, the effects of of uh, lost income because of COVID-19. Uh, it was on the news where it talked about college kids are having a hard time finding part-time jobs because a lot of the types of industries that they work in, such as Restaurants and bars are having a hard time getting customers. Um, people are just staying home more. It's just it's just how it is right now. 
and uh, you know we have a cafe as well, and so that's that's also something that uh, that we're dealing with, trying to creatively uh, sell our products. I guess is the best way to put that, uh, while not endangering ourselves or our clients. Um, so everybody's had to learn to do everything differently. <coughs> Including myself and everybody else. Um, the other thing is, you know, the, summer has never been a mask-wearing season, uh, and now it, we're, we're starting to realize why. It's really hot wearing a mask in the summer. Your face uh, gets really, really hot, um, and so that's something we're figuring out now uh, as well. Um, I don't know. It's just all kinds of stuff. We're learning all kinds of things and and uh, forgetting about all kinds of things. Trying to learn to live in this new reality. Uh, a uh, Facebook post got me thinking about about something, um, uh, which was if. <coughs> If heaven and earth are are not going to be destroyed, but but are going to become one in some kind of a uh, new reality, then does that mean hell or Hades or Gehenna or whatever you want to call it is actually on earth? Which got me to thinking. Yeah, I I think I would I I could see that. I think. I think you might postulate that that the hell that happens is actually what's happening now in a lot of ways if you are living your life not in the kingdom of God uh, but in the kingdoms of this world uh, if you are obeying the the Lord of this world as opposed to the, the king of heaven uh, then yeah, I, I think we could say, yeah, you're, you're probably experiencing uh, on one level or another some kind of hell. And even, even if you're not, even if, even if uh, you spend most of your time in the kingdom of heaven uh, living on this earth, there, there are times that you will suffer. Whether it's persecution or illness, uh, famine or disease. Uh, Ill, illness and disease, I suppose, are the same things, but it sounded very poetic, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no matter what your, you know, no matter what, uh, whether you are a a very faithful, uh, steady believer or not, you will experience some suffering, and that suffering, in a sense, I think, is hell, uh, where that suffering becomes elongated or prolonged. Uh, is when you try to navigate through your suffering uh, without the the help and hope that Jesus brings. Uh, that you try to navigate it through your own uh, power, right? Uh, your own willpower, if you will. Uh, that seems to be the point where uh, things go kind of south. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I would say... Let's go with that, that that hell is temporary, 
but the new heaven earth will be forever whatever that means eternal um, I think that's a, a good way to say it then of course there's a question of whether it's going to happen all at once uh, as in uh, some kind of a rapture and a, a total destruction of the earth uh, some people believe the earth itself <coughs> because of something Peter said Second Peter that the earth itself will be completely burned up and gone but I kind of don't think that's what's going to happen I need to look at Second Peter more uh, to try to figure out what Peter was getting at and what he was referring to uh, whether there is some l literary language metaphor uh, <clears throat> or something like that uh, or you know something I, I would have to read the book in its entirety um, afresh to figure out where I think he may have been going with that um, my guess is there are clues in the entire book especially in the opening uh, to where he was going with the book so I'd like to look at that again maybe I will today so I can get back to this person um, but even if even if Peter had some kind of an idea that that's how things were going to go down uh, I actually reserve the right uh, that Peter might have been mistaken that that may that may have been Peter's idea. Um, so, or or he could have you know, there could be translation problems. There's all kinds of things we'd have to look at to figure out what exactly Peter was talking about there. I'll give you a minute, buddy. I'll give you a minute. Um, yeah so yeah that's something I have to look at of course there are, there are apocalyptic uh, end of times uh, passages uh, that are in the Bible uh, I just don't any longer um, what's the word default to reading them as literal Okay, um, especially because I now see Revelation as a book that mostly was prophesying about the, f the fall of Jerusalem. Of course, there's more in it than just that. Um, but I think mu much of rapture theology uh, has mistaken uh, prophecies that were more eminent uh, with... Uh, cataclysmic, end of times destructive uh, God God perpetrated that's a horrible way to say it God ordained destruction I'm not sure uh, destruction caused by God I guess um, I, I think there's, there's too much in the Bible 
that talks about how much God loved his creation. And there's evidence just looking around that God lovingly made the creation. It's a beautiful place today. You know, the, the, the green trees uh, contrasted by the blue sky and the, the many shades of green. few you know white clouds and and you can see that somebody uh, now I'm driving by a whole flower patch with roses everywhere you know these uh, roadside daisies and azaleas that are in full bloom right now they're just beautiful they're symmetrical they're beautiful the the the, the colors and the aromas appeal to us uh, there's almost endless variety in all of it. It's just incredibly beautiful. Now I'm seeing some California poppies, uh, which are really pretty. If you haven't seen them, you should see them. Um, even rice in the fields has its own kind of beauty, uh, the way it's planted. Um, but that speaks to the order and beauty in which man was made, that he is able to recreate and rearrange God's nature in such a way that that uh, manifests that same aesthetic, right? Symmetry, color, shade, uh, shape, right? All of these things that, that are beautiful. Wow, I totally got off on a tangent, and I'm not even sure where I was going. But... But, um, to me, that God, the God, now I remember, the God that, uh, that created, so lovingly created a beautiful creation, to me, and, and as far as we know, as far as we believe, he only did it once, that he hasn't made other worlds. To me, it speaks to the fact that he, he has a love for this creation still and he doesn't want to destroy it but he wants to restore it he wants to 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 garden it he's a gardener you know god planted a garden in genesis and he says it's a garden to where we're going in the end of revelation this idea of a garden as god as as architect and gardener of a beautiful garden uh, is always there and a gardener uh, weeds he weeds and he fertilizes and he tills right and he separates the bad and the good and yes he may destroy the bad but he'll use the bad for something for fertilizer for whatever else even even ash can be used for fertilizer. It's a good fertilizer. Um, but he's always going to save the good. He's always looking to encourage the good to continue while trying to get rid of the less than good, the less than helpful, the less than functional, right? Uh, and and so yeah, God God is a gardener. He's he's not a, a slash and burn kind of guy. You know, he, he's he's not going to destroy, but he's going to lovingly nurture and take care of his 
creation. Now, for a time, I believe that the creation was handed over completely uh, to man in order to see that it was futile to try to take care of the earth with, without the help of God. But since Jesus came, he ushered back in the presence of God to the earth uh, and, and also made possible the presence of God in each of us so that each of us can be a gardener who is working under the headship of the head gardener, the architect, in taking care of this world. Uh, and of course it doesn't mean just the vegetation, it doesn't mean just the animals, it doesn't mean uh, just the nutrients, just the rivers, the oceans, just the air and the skies, it doesn't mean just the people, but it means all of it. It means all of that. Right? We're gardeners. We are gardeners. Uh, yesterday, I had kind of a busy day, busy day. I had a Zoom class in the morning from college for an hour and a half. And then I had to go roast coffee. Uh, and then I had another class at my school uh, in town. And I decided... Besides all of that, even though I was pretty busy, that I was going to go ahead uh, and uh, attempt to mow my lawn as, as well, to, to get all my grass cut, because it was getting a little out of control. And so I got out my lawnmower and my weed eater, uh, and, and I cut that grass, and it was hot. It was really hot. But of course, I cut around the things that are growing in my yard that are meant to be long and tall and, and you know and growing for example my grapevines my blueberry bushes uh, the different flowers or we even have a few vegetables but uh, you know especially trees we don't cut all that down what we do is we cut down the grass in order to accent the yard Right, we, we we trim it. Right, I didn't kill any of the grass yesterday. Although I'm not saying I'm above that. I have done some weed killing before. Uh, but instead, I trim it in a way that makes it functional uh, for us living there, uh, and and for the beauty of the garden. And it is very pretty today. It's very beautiful because that grass has been uh, kept short. It's sort of like a man who cuts his hair, right? <clears throat> you, you cut things not because you're killing it. You don't kill your, head, your hair even though it's already dead. Um, you, you don't just get rid of it, although you might, um, but you trim it. You keep it neat. You shape it, right? There's, there's artistry there. Uh, and, and that is is what I believe the Christ is doing in the world today. That's what Christ is doing in the world today. He's, he's, he's doing what he does by training others to do the work of nurturing this earth. We have to be nurturers. And maybe that's one of the reasons I didn't want to just get rid of this car. You know, my car's old. It's, it's 20 going to be 20, 21 years old this year. It's had some problems recently. 
it probably eats a little too much gas uh, maybe even burn a little oil I'm not sure but I love this car I love it I've fallen fallen in love with this car yeah to a lot of people it's just a piece of junk but to me uh, I still see a lot of potential and, and I'm comfortable in it uh, even though I've only had it three years I feel like it's the car I, I've always wanted um, it's very functional it fits me right it suits me uh, and I'm not one to just you know throw something away when it shows signs of wear and tear now there are more beautiful and sexy cars out there like wow uh, just saw a really nice FJ Cruiser go by uh, which I like right they're nice um, but there's something to be said in fact I, I will go further I will say that the, the spirit of God is in the act of restoration it's in the act of restoring things to making things that have uh, succumbed to atrophy uh, sparkle again shine again to bring them back, you know, to a little luster, to throw on a fresh coat of paint, uh, to, to shine up uh, dingy metal, right? Uh, this earth is a place to be nurtured. People need to be nurtured. We don't need to... This is my problem with war, I suppose, if I want to put it in totally different language. <laughs> War is all about people who we feel like are so broken that they are irredeemable. Therefore, let's just kill them and throw them away and start with a fresh crop. Right? That's what war is about. Uh, especially, especially genocidal war. I suppose there are other kinds of war. But there is war uh, that is all about genocide. <clears throat> um... And I think God has used genocide for good. Not that I don't believe God has ever committed genocide. I don't believe God has ever taken a life. I'm going to say that right there. I don't believe God has ever taken a life. That every life that was taken uh, was against God's will. God is not about death. God is about life. He never wants anyone to die. Or to be eternally punished, or to feel guilty, or to be guilty. That's not the heart of God, right? That's not where God comes from. That's not in His nature. His nature is to design something beautiful and then to tend that beautiful design. Uh, otherwise, the design wasn't very good in the first place, right? If you if you want to believe that God made something so carefully and so beautifully that he said it is good right including mankind and yet he's just going to destroy them instead of restoring them including the whole earth then I guess God's not a very good designer I guess he, he kind of sucks at his job of creator huh, he didn't create anything that lasted right what you created uh, you had to just destroy. So you did not do a good job of creating. No, I don't think so. 
I don't think so. I think God is a wonderful creator. And I think God built into his creation this idea of nurture because nurture is is next to love. You don't nurture something you don't love. This earth is God's masterpiece. And he is tweaking it and will continue to tweak it and partners with us to tweak it. To make it beautiful, to nurture it. Right back to a a place of safety and beauty and functionality bounty and abundance. Yeah, I kinda like the way this is going, this talk. Completely unexpected. This is why our relationships with people are so important. It's so important for us to listen right now to the hurting people of the world. Right now, those voices are of black people in America, people of color. Those people uh, are voicing their, their hurt right now. And because people are valuable, valuable to God, People are his masterpiece in creation. We are his masterpiece, it says uh, somewhere in the Bible. That we need to care too. We need to listen to the hurt voices. Right? If you are if you are working with Christ in you, then you are not crying out in pain. Really have to be careful the way I say this. No, that's not true. I was about to say something that once I said it in my head it seemed right, but once I said it, it's not right. So I'm not even going to finish that thought. We should all want to to help alleviate the pain of others, and it's because we are born of a nurturing God. born of a restorative God a redeeming God Uh, yeah so people are important the earth is important. Animals are important. The air is important. Everything is important. That's made of God. Relationships are important between people, between between nations, right? Uh, between every people, between every tongue. Relationships are important. We should nurture them. As we tend a garden, we should tend to our relationships. I'm not the best at that. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm talking about things that I'm not very good at necessarily. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm talking to myself for sure just wanted to put that out there um, but yeah I would say that that sums up my theology uh, of why the earth 
will be restored and not and not destroyed and that destructive language in the Bible therefore must be talking about something else must be referring to something else or referring to the restoration in colorful language because restoration sometimes is painful it's not like it's it's not a painful thing right for sure it can be very painful to people I am running just a few minutes late so I'm gonna have to run uh, so it's great to talk to you guys today goodbye thank you <laughs>